today's gospel is very familiar with us, but when we look at it in a different way, it takes on new meaning. The scholar of the law is testing Jesus. Now, this, is, this would be something that they would be, as leaders, that they would do. We do this in the church today. What is this man's teaching? And so he's seeing how well-versed he is in the Torah, whether he's learned. And Jesus, being God, answers a question with a question. We find this is often true when we're conversing with God in prayer or we ask for something that he will respond in a way like a good teacher would by helping us to find the answer in the world around us. And oftentimes, the answer to our question will come through our neighbor, through our church. It seldom comes directly in prayer. Prayer opens us to receiving God's answer in ways around us very frequently. That's not always true, but often God will use an unlikely person or something happens while we're on the way to something else, like the, this person that was beat up on the road. Everybody had other things to do, but this is where God's lesson, his test, is at. Jesus is invited to enter into a political debate of that time. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers this question with a real edgy parable. It wouldn't be edgy to us because we don't live there, but the Jews and the Samaritans thought each other to be heretics, particularly the Jews thinking Samaritans were heretics. So for that to be the protagonist, the one that, the one that, um, that did God's will, was definitely pushing the edge. And Jesus was saying, this person whom you've rejected as being not fully Jewish is your neighbor. And this neighbor is the one that did my will. And so he invites us to think outside the box, which Christ always does. In this, now in this parable, I've been to this place. I went to the Holy Land the year after I was ordained. They call it the fourth, go- the fifth gospel. And um, Jericho is, a, is one of the lowest cities on earth in, in geography. And to go up to Jerusalem is about a, I think it's about a 4,000 uh, foot climb uh, through, at times, a very narrow, slotted canyon. And even today, the, the, the bus we were on, they said people walking or biking going up these paths are subject to being mugged. So it's still not a good area to go in in certain, certain lonely areas between these two cities. Uh, Jericho is a city of the world, then and now. Uh, these days, it's a Palestinian city, and they all had a lot of, of gambling places there at one time, and people from all over Israel would go in there, a very worldly city. Jerusalem would be the epitome of the holy city. So the Levite and the priest, the Levites were, were of the priestly class, so they're both, they're both religious professionals. And they're, they're going up to the holy city from the world. The Samaritan, interestingly, is going from the holy city back into Jericho. So they're going in opposite directions. And the Samaritan has no business. Of, he's not going to be worshiping in Jerusalem. He's there for business. And he's making his circuit. This was a common road for Jews because the, the direct way from Galilee, of course, was to go through Samaria, but then you often wouldn't even get hospitality there. The Samaritans were rather unfriendly to those headed to Jerusalem. So they often went by the Jordan River. And then, so you had a choice of being inhospitable treatment on your route or being mugged 
going up this way. So most of the Jews preferred to take their risks, but they would often go in groups so they would have more safety. This man is traveling alone. He's inviting problems. He also stands in for all of us who are beat up on the road of life. And Jesus is the good Samaritan, if you will, who's not afraid to incur ritual impurity to touch this man and be healed of his wounds. Jesus is not afraid to take your sins on himself, even though he's God. Jesus is actually the one who's going to bandage us and put us in the inn and pay for, pay for it himself and then come back and finish that if we allow him. So the, the Levite and the priest think they're doing God's will by passing him by. The reason for this is if they were to go over there, they risked ritual impurity, which took seven days to, to deal with, which would have negated their reason for going to Jerusalem in the first place. So they probably felt, we're going to stick to our original plan. God's will for us is that we do our sacrifice. So I'm going to pretend that this person is not here, and I'm going to cross by on the other side. And that's how they justified that. But the Samaritan has no such qualms. He's not Jewish. He is not concerned with ritual purity. And he's thinking a little outside the box. He sees this, and he acts with compassion. This is very pleasing to God. It's a disturbing reading because probably everyone in the room at one time or another has passed by on the opposite side rather than getting involved. And sometimes it's very close to us. Mother Teresa of Calcutta once said, she said, I found this a really troubling and enlightening comment. She said, you know, it's so easy for people to write a check to the missionaries of charity in India to help us with our work with the poor, who is my neighbor. She said, it's much more difficult to love the neighbor next door who's playing his radio too loud. I see some of you have been bugged by that over the years. I have. I wanted to kill my neighbor at one time. She <laughs> always out there getting a tan on my day off. Didn't like her music either. Um, and, you know, it's true, though. And God, while we're on the way to somewhere else, God's will will be found in the cross current going by. We read all these passages in context. Two weeks ago, you remember, the Lord told his apostles, don't greet anyone along the way. Well, that would have sounded like, don't even bother with this, this guy here. But the Lord is telling us, though, that my will is to be found in your neighbor. This is where you're going to find. And, I, you know, it's true in my own life. It, it sounds like a cliche, but I make my plans in the morning each day, and then the, whole, the divine, the trinity laughs, you know, because I, it's, it's in the interruptions of the day that we find ministry. That's what God's will is. That's what being... Uh, in the church is all about. And I think that's true for all of us. Um, we don't have to go up to the sky to find God's will. We don't have to go across the sea to learn the will of God. And that reminds me, there's a pilgrimage coming up that we might be leading. Sorry, okay, that wasn't funny. <laughs> I, I just think that's funny. But, but instead, we find him in our heart. See, God will come to us. And uh, when I was discerning the priesthood, I used to use these, my travel benefits. I had about four weeks vacation, and I, and I would trade days off, and I'd end up with a string of days off by working two or three weeks in a row. So I had lots of time to 
that I could do this. It was a really great, great position to be in. And I would go to different monasteries and religious uh, groups, active and contemplative. I never found the right one. But I would always go, and I think I was discerning something, and I never quite got there. One of my favorite places was Conyers, Georgia. Uh, another one was Mepkin Abbey in South Carolina. I was in Boston one, one, one of these many journeys I took. And uh, I said to God, I said, I really need to talk to one of these monks, see what, I, what I'm doing here. I said, the next, I was staying in the monastery, it was Spencer Abbey. They make beautiful vestments. And I, beautiful, beautiful monastery. And I said, uh, who came out after I, as soon as I said that, but the famous Basil Pennington comes out, that was his community. I thought, I don't want to talk to him. Oh my gosh, very, very famous monk. But he was very kind to me. And he, I was his neighbor, and he took an hour with me out of his schedule. And I, I told him, I said, I don't know if I want to give up these travel benefits. And he said, he said, you know, uh, he said, I had a trip to Europe sitting on my desk that I gave up to enter this monastery, and I'm on my 100th trip to Europe. So I, that's, I'll throw that out to you. Whatever you've given up for God, he will return a hundredfold. And uh, Father Pennington, God rest his soul, that really, that, that deeply affected me. And uh, of course, I never stopped traveling since I left there. But, but the thing about it is, I called my father, who was an agnostic. Uh, he didn't practice the faith. So you might say he was a Samaritan in a way. And uh, he, he said to me, he said, where are you this time? And I said, I'm in Boston, uh, trying to figure out my life. And he said, so tell me, why do you have to fly 3,000 miles to know the will of God? I said, you're a Samaritan and you said a thing like that to me? No, I didn't say that to him. I just... I thought, talk about a right angle. But he, he had it nailed. And my point in saying that is I found my neighbor. I found God's will. I found him speaking to me in my heart at the local parish church. That place that I went to church on Sunday, began to get more involved, started going to daily mass, started getting involved in ministries there, um, got on committees, found that some people weren't very inspiring, and some were. Some people were irritating, some were joyful. It was the real world, you know, and it was a wonderful place. I began to learn the faith. You come here, you hear the scriptures, the word of life, uh, and that was God's will for me, and that's what I ended up doing right across the street. And so our Lord, I think, this gospel then, I think, is edgy because God is going to speak to us in ways with people we're not expecting, people of uh, whose, whose opinions we normally would not want, uh, people that aren't necessarily of our faith. Uh, our neighbor is going to come at a time. The test will come when it's not convenient, when I have someplace else to go, when I have something in mind which I'm sure is God's will, and God has given me every indication that he wants that, and yet this cross-current will come up. And if we are discerning, we might find God speaking through that, perhaps what seems inconvenient is actually an opportunity to follow the right path. It is very challenging, and everybody has a different uh, opportunity, a different kind of neighbor. Um, it's, not, it's not one size fits all. The Holy Spirit is deeply at work in your life and my life 
Um, I'm constantly challenged by this gospel. And it, it invariably, when I have some idea in mind, God will speak through someone else. That's one reason that St. Ed's works as well as it does. We have a lot of great, great lay people that are good at advising the pastor who seldom knows what to do. And, uh, and that's a really good thing. If I thought I knew everything, this place would go to pot real fast. Um, and I think that's true in your family life. It's true in our work. God has an answer, but he wants to speak through other people. Yes, we have to be discerning. Not everybody is right. But this is the, the great grace of being in a community. And so God, he says, you know, you don't have to go all the way to Europe. You don't have to go to Mars. You don't have to go out to the desert. I'm going to speak to you right in your community of faith here. I'm going to speak to you in your family, at your work, when you're at the beach or whatever you're going to do this summer. All these places, and even the things that don't go right, you can find me working through all of them. When you keep my commandments, I will speak to you in your heart, and I will speak to you through your neighbor.